Greetings, and welcome to Etzheim's weekly podcast, recorded live in Richardson, Texas. We invite you now to join us for one of our synagogue's Shabbat messages. Well, Shabbat Shalom. And Chag Sameach, you started off with the very scripture that I'm going to be in today, for the most part. Um, Woke up around 3.30 this morning, the Lord woke me up, and uh, of course got up to the news, started to pray, started to intercede for Israel, and to pray for this morning. We had a couple of uh, text messages, calls with some friends over in the land. We ourselves, my wife and I, it's been the most difficult year ever. I just started preaching again after being on a sabbatical for the last year, just started preaching again. Um, we have been living over in Israel in Ashkelon. We experienced some of the missile attacks. We then went up to Migdal for some stuff, and then we felt the Turkish earthquake back in February. And then we said, you know, we've, we've kinda, we kind of need to really relax. So what we did was we went to Cyprus and lived there for three months and then um, just came back to the U.S. in May um, some of you through the, the Messianic grapevine may have heard of a little bit about our, our story and the journey that we've been walking through. We took on the calling to go to New City, New York, which is a heavily ultra-Orthodox Jewish area. You have a, a, a famous area called Monsi, a lot of Jews from Crown Heights in Brooklyn, go to Monsi. And, and right in the middle of that, you have so many ultra-Orthodox Jews, and you have a lot of New Age, liberal, secular Jews. And so we decided, you know what, we're tired of the Messianic movement, kvetching and complaining about reaching Jewish people. We're going to go and do it. And we took the call. It was very supernatural. There were a lot of miracles that occurred for us to get there in the transition from Texas to New York because we went at the height of the pandemic. And so uh, I can tell you that when you step out in faith, God will move. God will move. We went, we saw a lot of miraculous things. There were Jewish people that came to faith. Many of the ministries were shutting down, so we had so many people who wanted to come who weren't even, uh, have an under, they didn't even have an understanding of, of Israel or, or, or Jewishness. They just heard of some loud rabbi proclaiming the truth, and so they wanted to come, and then we would have so many stories of Jewish people walking past, and we had people outside at times, because we are, you know, it's New York, so everything's condensed, it's smaller than Texas, so we've sometimes had to put people outside, and we just had to open the windows, and they would watch on their phones on YouTube, and then simultaneously, they would just hear everything going on on, inside, on the inside. So lots of Jewish people sometimes would be walking past, and they would say, you have so many Jews here, and, and you have so many Gentiles here. What, what's going on? Our, our synagogue closed down. We had to join with another synagogue, but we can't keep a minion. And, and what, what, is, what is this all about? And, and we would have people ready... Uh, we, we had uh, our friends, Jeff and Tatiana Cohen, they're here this morning, and they, they would come and they would help us train our people to go and do outreach into the ultra-Orthodox Hasidic community. We were threatened. Every single person that would go on outreach would get threatened. Sometimes we would have death threats. I'd have notes. I'd have notes in my mailbox from, from people in the ultra-Orthodox community, and they just post a picture of their child or their loved one, and they say, would you please pray for this person? 
And so I could tell you that amidst all the aggression that is going on in those communities, in those groups, it looks very bad, but there's a lot of openness to the Besora. There's a lot of openness. Sometimes we, I'd have friends who would go out, and they would go out with tracts, and the, the young teenage Hasidim would start arguing with each other because they wanted the tracts, and they were saying, we're tired of this lifestyle. We're tired of living like this. We want to know what this whole thing about Yeshua about Jesus is all about. And there was no punches that were pulled either. We found ourselves in the hospital in 2021 with our second child born prematurely, Rafaya Selah. She was born prematurely. She lived for three months and then she passed away. And so we we kept going, we kept pressing forward, and then all of a sudden last year in July, our firstborn child, Livnat Sapira, passed away all of a sudden in the middle of the night. There was no warning, she had no health problems, it was an aortic rupture, and we stopped everything. God told me, stop everything, focus on your marriage. And in the course of that, the first few days, that was an early Wednesday morning, uh, and then what happened was the first few days, I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming because I was having traumatic uh, dreams where I was reliving everything and the enemy was trying to put a spirit of despair and discouragement and, and death upon me to say that you, you couldn't save your child. You didn't raise your child from the dead. And there are a lot of things that happen within it where people, some would say, well, the devil did it. Some said God did it. And we hold all of that intention because that's about all you can do when you go through something like that. You just hold it intention. That's Romans 8 that hope is is contrary to what you see that if you can see hope it's not hope so that saturday that shabbat that first shabbat i got down and i i i said i'm tired of having these nightmares i'm reliving it i'm waking up screaming in the middle of the night because i can't say i can't do anything and i stared death in the face multiple times in New York, besides all the political craziness, besides all the, the nonsense that goes on, so many demonized people, sometimes the rabbis were paying demonized individuals to come to our congregation just to try and infiltrate, to try and cause chaos. And we would have to move in deliverance. We had to move in power. There were, when we got there, I said, we got to pull the plug on everything that's going on. We got to be totally led by the Ruach HaKodesh. And if you're in a situation like that, you're going to find out what you're made of. You're going to find out what needs to be pulled in terms of what you're doing and what you need to actually plug into in terms of God. I was preaching a, a few weeks ago at another Messianic congregation, and I had been praying about what the Lord wanted me to speak there, and I laid down on the bed, and the Lord actually gave me today's message for you. And I don't know what He intends to do with it, but I thought, you know, this is pretty significant that the Lord already laid out the message a month and a half in advance before I even have a chance to go and look through. 
I don't know what he wants to do, but if you're broken today, he wants you to draw near him. If you're in despair of any kind, he wants to give you hope. If you're struggling with sin, he wants to bring you to true repentance. He gave me one phrase and I went to go look it up. It was this, with one loud voice. And he had me go to the book of Revelation. You find this phrase, this term, a loud voice, 26 times. Always in reference to heaven. Always in reference to a heavenly voice. Never found in reference to the Antichrist. Never found in reference to the devil. Why is that? Because they can't raise their voice like heaven can. They can't raise their voice like the saints can. There's no power before, be, behind the hamonim that's, that are found in the book of Joel. Hamonim, hamonim, be'emech echarutz. Ki karov yom Adonai, be'emech echarutz. Multitudes, noisy multitudes in the valley of decision. The day of the Lord is near in the valley of, of decision. Those are noisy multitudes that are raging now in Gaza. There are noisy multitudes that are raging in the United States. There are noisy multitudes that are raging in the liberal ideologies that are in our face in this nation. But they have no power because when we come into agreement with the voice of heaven, we see a release of the power that comes directly from the throne. I'm a bit in your face. I learned to preach on the street. Thank God I didn't learn to preach in a seminary. I got some wild friends. That's a good thing. I went before the Lord that Shabbat morning, that that week my daughter passed, brokenhearted. And I said to everyone who had come in from Texas and from other parts of, of, of the U.S., I said, listen, I need to get down and I need to worship and I need to pray. My wife and I need to do this. Now, if you're not used to hearing wailing, if it makes you uncomfortable, you, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you to leave because you're going to hear me wail. And I need to dig into this. And I need to dig into the heart of God as, as to what He's speaking right now that I need to lay hold of because we already went through this a little over a year ago. 70% of marriages end in divorce with the loss of a child. My marriage is a miracle. It is a miracle the amount of strain that grief puts on you. The amount, the, the impact that it puts on your physical body itself. And since then, we've seen God break through in, in many ways, in, in, give us open doors to minister to those who've never opened up about areas of trauma in their lives. I went before the Lord, and it turns out that everything in the playlist that we were singing that morning had lyrics from the book of Revelation. It wasn't planned, it just happened. And... The Lord began to speak some things into my spirit. And he began to say, worship on earth is going to begin to look and sound more like worship in heaven. And I said, why? Why? And he said, because the darkness is going to increase to the extent 
that you will not just see it, you will feel it. And the only way for you as a believer, you as a follower of Yeshua, will be able to function, will have, will be in the atmosphere of heaven, will be in the atmosphere of God's presence. When you're going through hell, no matter what it is, you have to get to the throne. You can't allow anything to hinder you to get to the throne. Listen, I'm already preaching. This is my introduction right now. Okay? You have to lay aside everything that you're doing. Your theology will not determine how much you allow God to move. Your pain will. I'm going to say that again. Your theology will not determine how much you allow God to move. Your pain will. Your theology will keep you grounded... But your pain is the determiner to you crying out, Abba! To the groan in you. I know it doesn't sound pretty. Listen, I didn't look pretty. My wife, we didn't, we didn't look polished during those days of sitting Shiva. The whole month. But we plugged into eternity as best as we could. And said, Yeshua, you're going to have to carry us through this. You're going to have to carry us through what we can't carry ourselves through. If you have your Bibles or electronic devices, you turn to John chapter 7. Rabbi David already proclaimed it. This is Hoshana Rabbah. Majority of scholars will agree that this is Hoshana Rabbah. Go to verse 37. It was the last day of the feast, the great day. Yeshua stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty! He didn't get up and say, uh, ex- Excuse me, guys, I just want to say a little something. I just, I just want to say, I'm sorry to interrupt you. No, he got up and said, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Oh, wow, it's up there. I can see it. (laughs) Rivers of living water. This he spoke of the spirit, the ruach. Whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Yeshua was not yet glorified. They're there pouring the water libations, the, they're waving willows, they're, they're, you know, going through the rites of the day. They're inviting heaven to send rain. And heaven himself stands in the midst of them and says, declares his own invitation. We're living in in difficult times. We're living in, in bewildering times. There are a lot of believers, they don't know what to do about some of the situations in society. They don't know how to address certain um, issues. 
I had a Messianic rabbi's son uh, tell me one day uh, in a meeting, he said, I, I don't know what to do about this particular issue. I'm reading up on it and I'm doing all of this stuff, but I don't know how to articulate it. I don't know what to say about it. I said, you don't know because you don't have any conviction. You don't have an anchor in the word. And if you don't have an anchor in this, you're not going to know what to say to the world around you. A few weeks ago, we were in a store, and, and, and a, 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 a young woman, who I thought was a man, was walking into the dressing room. And the, the old lady, who was uh, the, the woman, she was an elderly woman, who was there giving out, you know, they give like, a, a, I don't know, like they take they, how, mu- how many clothes you're taking in and stuff like that. She, she didn't know what, what to give the young woman. She, she just, I felt sorry for her. She was there and she was not trying to be mean or anything. And um, the, the young woman said, I'm a woman. And grabbed it out of her hand very rudely and walked off. And listen, if, if maybe you're t- here today struggling with same-sex attraction, God can deliver you. And, and he's inviting you to the same reality that he's inviting every unsaved or every person who does not know Yeshua today to. He's inviting you with the same invitation to allow his Ruach to do the work in any and every area of your life, in your heart, in your mind that you need him to work in. And you can be set free. And the, 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 the elderly woman looked at me with fear. And I said, it's unfortunate that people don't know who they are nowadays. Well, somebody heard that, and it was a day that I'd been fasting. And came out in a rage. I know who I am. I said, I'm sorry, but unfortunately you don't. And God loves you, and Jesus gave his life for you. Well, guess what? It turned into the management coming, and, and you know, and, and then it turned into a, a little bit of a thing. And, and it, was, it was okay. Because the, the devil tried to shoot his mouth off and God shut him up. Hmm? We can't agree with the, the pronouns of our society. You know, uh, and, and so sometimes a lot of believers are struck with this idea, well, how do I address these certain things? You know, I, I'm, I'm looking on social media and I'm looking on YouTube and I'm listening to this voice and I'm listening to this voice. Listen, there are over 7 million apps between iOS and Android. Over 7 million apps. Probably the majority of us today have between 60 and 90 apps on their phone. 60 and 90. Just to operate the thing. Just to do the things that you need to do on a daily basis. I went and counted mine. I wanted to see how many I had. I got 95. I feel like I'm doing good. Because, you know, there's no games. There's no nonsense. That's not too bad. And I'm not saying that this is bad. This is just technology. This is where we are in the world. There are roughly 128 social media platforms... 2.96 billion Facebook users, I'm not one of them. I don't have time for that mess. I don't have time to be arguing with people, let alone believers attacking. There are uh, an average of 4.89 billion social media users. Out of a population in the world of 8.1 billion people, that's that's just a little over half of the world's population online, on digital media, social media. 
How many of the, that 8.1 billion have never heard the Besora, the gospel, about 2 billion? 2 billion people who have never heard the message that the Messiah has come, the Messiah of Israel has come to redeem Israel, to redeem the nations, come to set them free, come to deliver them. They've never heard it. There are over 200 live streaming platforms. If we just took one of those live streaming platforms, let's say the, the streaming platform that you're on today, YouTube. There are 114 million YouTube channels. 114 million. 5 billion videos are watched every day by 2.6 billion users in 100 countries. What does that mean? That means on an average, every day, every person who views something on YouTube views at least two videos a day. At least. So what do you have in all of this conglomerated mess? In all this meshegas, you've got fake news, you've got bad news, you've got misinformation, and of course with YouTube, that's your media. What does that mean? What does your media mean? It means that you can tune into anything that itches your ear at any time that you want, and you can create a self-sustaining, self-absorbed media lifestyle where you can listen to what itches your ears anytime you want, and it may be good and it may be spiritual, yet if you're not actively seeking God, it can wind up being nothing but spiritual fodder because it gets carnalized by the internal mind. I was at the, we were at the Gateway Conference last week and then I flew to New Jersey, New York to do some ministry. I wound up uh, for eight hours at the International House of Prayer because of how the Lord moved there. Eight hours because people were hungry. They, they're, they're t- in, in New Jersey, in the Northeast area, pe- people have a lot to contend with. They, you know, and, and it's not to say that you don't here in Texas, because you do. There's a lot happening. And I've told my wife this, believers in Texas, they have to get proactive, not reactive. And this is what you have to do when you go online. The Lord gave me three R's to do online in interacting with people's comments, because people can be vicious online. My wife had had, uh, made a comment about something, and somebody who was a missionary came out scathing and cursing online. And a pastor kind of picked up for her, because I'm I'm not online, and uh, basically called this individual out. How many times have you jumped online or someone sent you a text or they've sent you something and you just reacted? Come on, let's be real. You lost count. God bless you, me too. (laughs) And thank God nobody ever saw any of the stuff that I posted because I'd wake up in the morning, I'd go and I'd look at some things and I'd be like, oh wow, nobody nobody looked at it yet. Okay, let me delete it because that was my flesh. That was my flesh. But the Lord said, you have, to, you have to think about the three things that you're doing. Are you reacting? The flesh reacts very easily. Are you responding? That's the kind of, of thing that we need to do. We need to respond. We don't need to react. We need to respond 
with grace. We need to respond with truth. Or, and here's, here's a big one that we don't always recognize. Do we need to repent? Somebody posts something inflammatory, and what does it do? It ignites a fire inside of us. I promise you today there's probably going to be something that I say that's going to make you mad, and praise God for it. Now you know why God sent me to New York. Yeshua stands up, and he gives this invitation. He gives an invitation to come to him, to respond to his voice. Ephesians 4.14 says, Let us not be any more as little children, carried to and fro, blown about by every wind of doctrine. The other day when I was in prayer, the Holy Spirit said to me, Only those who are not led of the Spirit are blown about by every wind of doctrine because they don't know how to set their sails to catch the wind of the Ruach. John 3, verse 8, Yeshua said, The wind blows where it wishes you hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes, and so is everyone who is born of the Ruach. What does that mean? It means the world cannot figure out where you're coming from or where you're going because it does not see the one you're coming from and the one you're going to. And the journey and the destination, the source and the destination, they are one and the same. His name is Yeshua. He is the Messiah. And you need to be learning how to pray. You need to be learning how to fast. You need to do congregational fast. I had to teach our congregation this. The first thing that I learned when I came to know the Lord was praying and fasting. We got a lot of prayer that's stiff in the day's day and age. Why is it stiff? Because there's no fasting with it. We got a lot of worship that has no unction. Why? Because there's no prayer behind it. Listen, there's a lot of preaching without conviction. And you wonder why demons are completely comfortable. We've made the prophetic cute and comfortable when in reality it's as painful as it is powerful. And I can tell you that because I've lived that. And the Spirit of God is groaning today for you. He's groaning. He is groaning for you to tap into the source of living water in a deeper way. A lot of believers, what they like to do, they like to do, you know, Ezekiel, he, he, God led him, and he, he, at the end of Ezekiel, the, the water is coming out of the south into the temple, the southeast end of the temple, and it's going towards the Mount of Olives. And he says, you know, it came up, It came up ankle deep. A lot of believers just like to get in ankle deep in God. Well, as long as I maintain some stability of control and maneuverability in my own natural life. And then they go a little deeper. Let me go a little deeper, you know. And they they get knee deep, but they still have control. God wants you to lose control in your life with Him. And that's what my situation has done. It's completely caused me and my wife to lose absolute control over everything and to get to a place of depending only on Him. That is where true death to self occurs. That is where self-denial becomes a reality on a whole other level. Some of you are sitting there and you're bored out of your minds because you don't pray. I had a woman in our congregation. She came to me 
A few months after we got saved, uh, not we got saved, but we, we, we were in New York. A few minutes, a few months later, and she came to me. She said, I need to speak to you. I said, yes. She said, you know, I went to God because I said, God, I, I can't stand the way this man preaches. And she said, the Lord, the Lord spoke to me. I said, what did he say? And he said, she said, it's because you've never been shepherded. He said, you can't stand the rod of a true shepherd. Second, second Corinthians chapter 2, verse 17. We're not like so many peddling the word of God, but as from sincerity, as from God, we speak in Messiah in the sight of God. Today in your hearing, I'm not speaking in your hearing. I'm speaking in his hearing. And if I please him, that is what matters the most. 2 Thessalonians 3 and 4 says, Our exhortation does not come from error, impurity, or by way of deceit, but just as we have been entrusted by God to be, just as we've been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so too we speak, not as men pleasers, but as unto God who examines the hearts. You look in Matthew 13, 5, Yeshua gave the parable of the, the sowers. And he says, you know, the persecution, it comes, it comes on account of the word. The hardships in your life come on account of the word. And when you get through the hardships and the tests and the trials, you get entrusted with more authority. That's what Paul's talking about in 2 Thessalonians. I didn't come to give a nice, cute little rabbinic derosh and everything this morning as I was praying. I was saying, God, I pray that if they're coming just for a nice, cute little uh, splish splash in, in Messianic Judaism, I pray that they come face to face with the Jewish Messiah. If they're wandering, if they're lost, if they're thirsty, and they're just looking for something, they're just looking for a place to connect, I pray that they come face to face in their spirit, in their heart, in their mind, with a deep conviction that they need the son of the living God and he alone is the one who can give life he's the one who alone can give breath let's go to Acts chapter 2 Acts chapter 2 you know you know the chapter when the day of Shavuot had come they were all together in one place suddenly there came from heaven an echo That's the word in the Greek. A noise like a violent rushing wind. It filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them tongues as a fire distributing themselves. They rested on each one of them. They were all filled with Ruach Kodesh. and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. When this sound... Now the word changes. It's called the phones, the word from, from which we get in English, telephone, the phone. When this sound, this phones came, the crowd gathered. They were bewildered because each was hearing them speaking in his own language. Verse 6. That's it. I, I read verse 6. I did read verse 6. Sometimes I forget. This is after the ascension. This is after the glorification of Messiah. And what happens is the outpouring of the Ruach. 
What happens is a noise, an echoes from heaven comes. What, is, what does that mean? It means there was, an inart, there was an inarticulate sound that came from heaven. It didn't make sense to them. It was just this loud noise that came. And then what happened is the noise became understandable by the Spirit to the apostles, to the shlichim, because they began to, they came together and what happened? was they understood that God was moving. And then the gospel begins to pour out through them. I'm going to tell you something. Isaiah 11.1 1 lists the seven spirits, the seven attributes of the Spirit of God. It says, The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the Spirit of counsel and might, the Spirit of understanding and wisdom, of strength and the fear of the Lord. And, and listen, sometimes you can come into a holy atmosphere And you have no understanding because God's understanding is supernatural. His wisdom is supernatural. You're not going to understand what he's doing in the natural. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. For the wind blows where it wishes. You hear the sound of it, but you don't know where it comes from or where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Whenever I pray and I'm going to go preach somewhere, I always pray, Lord, it's not just what I'm saying that people have to understand. It's your spirit that they have to understand. What your spirit is saying to them. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit is saying to the congregations. Huh? Why is this powerful right here? Well, because this was the beginning of the release of the Besorah. From Jerusalem to Judea to Samaria to the ends of the earth. And what do the rabbis say about Shavuot? They say that when the, the Torah was revealed on Shavuot, that originally that the, that the Torah actually went forth to the 70 nations of the earth. Where do we get 70 nations? We get 70 nations from Genesis chapter 10. That's where we get 70 nations from. And it's interesting that in some of rabbinic literature, the rabbis say they quote incitation with this idea of going forth to the 70 nations, the Torah, they quote Psalm 68, verse 12. It would be verse 11 in your Christian English version. The Lord gives the word a great company, proclaiming the what? The mevaser, the good news. They, they equate the release of the Torah to the nations as the gospel, as the besorah. They didn't understand the fullness of it because then Yeshua comes and we find out what the good news really is. Let's go to verse 14 of Acts chapter 2. But Peter, taking his stand with the eleven, raised his voice. My wife always has to tell me, can you lower your voice? For obvious reasons. But he got, and he raised his voice. I had somebody tell me, you know, I don't like loud preaching. I said, you won't like heaven. Because heaven, heaven is a loud place. There are 66 vocal references to terms that are auditory. Revelation is the most sensory book of the Chadashah. It's the most auditory, it's the most sensory book. 
Over and over it says with a loud voice. There's an angel with a loud voice. An angel with, you don't like loud praise and worship? You don't like people who preach loud? Hey, here's a guy. Here's a Jewish guy. He came up in a mountain. Man, I love crowds. Crowds are like fire starter for me. If, if there's a crowd, I like to raise my voice because then I get to use the gift God gave me, huh? We were at Costco the other day. I was exhausted. I got back from New Jersey, and I was tired. I slept four hours, and, and we, I, I, I slept four hours, and then I got back to Texas. I slept 16 hours as I'd go, been going hard the whole week. And then we went to Costco, and we walked into Costco, and we're walking up. And how many shop at Costco? Okay? So we're walking up, and there's a man laying on the ground shaking, and I automatically knew he's having a seizure. And there was a woman looking around with a phone in her hand. So I went right up to him, got on the ground, and started rebuking the spirit of infirmity and started rebuking the devil off of this man. Well, the other four people had, who had been standing around watching trying to figure out what to do, guess what they did? They all got down on the ground after I started praying, laid hands on him, and started praying. And I'm praying, but I'm also like, you mean to tell me all you guys are believers and you waited for me to show up? This is how a lot of, pe- a lot of believers are in today's day and age. They're just waiting for someone to ignite, to start the thing. But sometimes you got to do it. you got to step out in faith, and you just got to go for it. Because God wants to do something beyond the four walls of the institution. Huh? You know who belongs in an institution? Mentally ill people. I've known plenty in New York. And sometimes there are too many ministries that have padded walls. And I believe there are too many believers who are a lot like Nebuchadnezzar in the book of Daniel. And God has allowed them to get a little bonkers and to kind of wander and roam from place to place. And so they go from ministry to ministry looking for what they want. Because when God moves, He doesn't move the way they want Him to. And God will not fit into your box. He will not fit into your boundaries. He will not fit into anything that that is just you trying to contain Him. He can come into it, but He can move beyond it. I got down, started praying. Paramedics came. And one of the men got up, started talking to me. And then, and then we, they, they said, okay, everybody has to go. We have to, you have to go right now. But we were ready. We were ready to pray. We were ready. Why? Because we had been in enough situations where the enemy tried to assault. Why? While the enemy tried to break our faith, even in the face of the death of our own children. And we still said, no, we're going to worship him. We are going to praise him. The Lord gives, the Lord takes it away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What happens? 3,000 Jewish people wind up becoming followers of Yeshua. The rest is history. The early body of believers goes to the nations. All because everyone in the Ruach heard the sound, agreed with the sound that was coming from heaven. Look at the scene that the Ruach HaKodesh created in verse 5 and 6. It says, when the sound occurred, the crowd came together. And they were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them in his own language. It says in verse 7, they were amazed and astonished. They start asking questions. What happens? 
We hear them in our own tongue speaking of the mighty works of God. They continue in amazement and great perplexity. Continuing to question while others begin to mock. What the situation, the Ruach HaKodesh created was a situation of division. And this is what we see in Genesis 11. You could turn there. Genesis 11, 1 through 9. I'm going to give you a moment to turn there. Say amen when you're there. I don't even know how much time I got. I lose track whenever I start going. Who's there? Say amen. It'll be on the screen. Listen, let me tell you something. Uh, you, you, need to, you need to have your Bible with you. You need to have it not just electronically. Have, have, have it. Have it. Be, be ready with your word. There are many believers, many saints who have laid down their lives so that we could have this. There were Jewish people before Yeshua came who laid down their lives so that we could have this. Some of them laid down their lives. They didn't want to lay down their lives, but they did. This right here, it's been given to you with blood. And sometimes God calls us to do no less. Sometimes he calls us to do no less. Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar settled there. They said to one another, come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. Notice they're talking to each other. They're propagating something. They've got an agenda going on. Sounds a lot like today. We get online, somebody writes something, and we start agreeing with it, and it takes us down the, 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 the threshold and down through the pathway of, of carnality. And we start agreeing with things that we shouldn't agree on. There are some conservative voices today that are really not your friends. They have the same spirit of anti-Messiah as do the liberal voices. But they know how to push an agenda that believers will latch on to. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city, a tower whose top will reach into heaven. Let us make for ourselves a name, otherwise we will be scattered abroad over the face of the earth. The Lord came down. Check out the discontinuity between heaven and earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, behold, they are one people. They all have the same language. What did they do? They had an agenda, and then out of their agenda, they made plans. And the plans weren't in agreement with what God wanted. They all have the same language. This is what they began to do. Now, nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down, and they're confused, their language, so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Bavel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. And from there, Adonai scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. You know why some people are afraid of God moving in today's day and age? You know why maybe some of you today are afraid of the Ruach HaKodesh moving? And it has nothing to do with being hyper-charismatic or speaking in tongues. That's, that debate has to go away. we got to stop making tongues the debate. It doesn't mean that every time you come up and you get a little buzz from the walk, you're going to fall down and just feel a little, you know, nice. We 
we like when we get prayed for and God moves, but we like getting up and nothing being demanded of us. When the Ruach HaKodesh came down in the book of Acts, there was a challenge and there was a demand that had to be met. And we're coming up to that time in history again when the Lord is going to pour out His Spirit on all flesh and He's pouring out His Spirit on Israelis and He's pouring out His Spirit on young children. And there is a demand and there is a challenge that has to be met. There has to be a hineni. There was a discontinuity going on here. We go back to John chapter 7. Am I, is this too much Bible for you today? We had a lot of the Torah. We had a lot of, you know, the song. Is this too much? Are you thirsty? All right, all right, all right. I can say when I'm done. We did not. You did not say when. Uh, let's 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 say, Lord, whenever you're done, huh? Sometimes people, sometimes believers get very sketchy about the Lord moving. Why? Because they then He's going to demand them to change. He's going to demand them to straighten up. They're going to have to humble themselves. The pride has to go. Sometimes friendships have to go. Reputations, what other people think about you, have to go. I can't tell you the amount of people who've said dumb things and sometimes even vilified us in the course of our journey. It's like, we didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for my children to die. The day she went, I was fasting. I was praying. She was a very prophetic child. There were things that she spoke about, she prophesied about, that no one could have taught her except the Ruach HaKodesh. We didn't plan for that. How did you raise a child that godly? We, we don't know. We're not that godly people, you know. Just be real. Sometimes believers get afraid of the Holy Spirit more than the devil. And when God begins to move, believers get more critical of God when he does move than when he doesn't move. And when God does move, you always got three groups that come whenever God moves. You got the one that he, the ones that he's ministering to, and then comes the media, and then come the heresy hunters and the critics. But it was the same way with Yeshua, so why should it be any different? Hmm? John seven forty through 44. There's a similar discontinuity between what God is doing through Messiah and the crowd that's in discontinuity with each other. When they heard these words, some of the crowd said, this man really is the prophet. Others were saying, this is the Mashiach. Still others were saying, the Messiah doesn't come from the Galil, does he? Didn't the scripture say that Mashiach comes from the seed of David and from Bethlehem, David's town? So a division arose in the crowd because of Yeshua. Some wanted to capture him, but no one laid hands on him. How is that whenever Yeshua would go into a place, there would always be a commotion, there would always be a stirring? Why is that? Because hell was always getting scared of the sound of heaven entering in. Amen. He's stirring up people's hearts. You know, sometimes you pray and you fast, and you wonder, why does hell break loose when I pray and fast? Shouldn't things get better? Daniel prayed and fasted for three weeks, and it actually revealed the warfare going on in the supernatural. And the more that you see prayer for Israel prevailing, 
The more that you see the gospel prevailing in Israel, you, I guarantee you, you will see more incursions like you're seeing that we're hearing about today. Pay attention. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit's saying. Many people reject the move of the Lord. Why? Because they have a spirit of Antichrist. You know, a lot of people think the spirit of anti-Messiah is just being against God. It's not. That's why you can have celebrities who are completely anti-Bible, uh, and yet they believe in God. They believe in New Age. First John chapter 2 says, little children, it is the last hour. He doesn't even say it's the last days. He says, this is the last hour. You're in the la- you've been in the last hour for almost 2,000 years. He says, it is the last, cha- last hour, and we know that Antichrist is coming, but many Antichrists come, have come. And he says, he says this, he says, they went out from us, but they were really not of us. I saw a video the other day, and somebody had on the caption, why I stopped praying in the Spirit. And I thought, it's amazing how many wolves in sheep's clothing are just blatantly out spreading disbelief in the, in the body of Messiah. You would think that people would be like, well, if Yeshua needed miracles, signs, and wonders, and, and if he had to do all these things as a son of God, that we might need some of that. And it's not that we're chasing after it, but it's that we're at least open to it. But I've seen over and over, I've seen the spirit of the anti-Messiah in more congregations, in more churches and ministries than sometimes outside. Why? Because sometimes people out on the streets are more willing and they're more open for God to move. And God's own people are resisting him moving. Because it's like almost like the Tower of Babel. If, if he comes in and he starts moving and people start getting healed. I had a, a, a preacher friend in Brooklyn, uh, Pastor Yuri, and, and he, he went to a, a Messianic rabbi, called him and said, I, I want you to come pray on my wife. She has a back problem. And he went and he prayed for her. The woman got healed. And the man stopped him and said, you have to pray in the name of Yeshua. Really? Huh? Forget about it. That's New York for Shalom, by the way. <laughs> uh, he stopped. He said, no, you have to pray in the name of Yeshua. She just got healed. You would think people would get, would get excited about that. Huh? Well, what happens is people look at it when God comes in and how things look like a mess. Why is it? Because he's really setting in order what's out of order. That's why Babel was confusing. Well, what happens if God comes into this place? What, 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 cha- what, if, what if he changes? What if he takes ownership from it, from us? What happens if, if he takes our favorite song and we don't sing our favorite song today? He can move in your structure and he can move beyond it. The question is, are you willing? Are you willing? We need revival in this nation. We need revival in families. We need revival in marriages. You know, if we went according to the statistics, I don't know how many people are in here, but the statistics say that one in every 20 people nowadays is struggling with same-sex attraction. That means there are probably several people in here who are struggling or who are dealing with something in their lives and they need deliverance from it. 
Is this the place that's going to be the place of chesed, of grace, where people can be vulnerable and come and expose themselves and say, this is what I'm dealing with. This is the struggle of my soul. This is what my son, my daughter needs prayer for. This is what my marriage needs. Can they come and expose their, their hardships in their hearts to you? And do you have the compassion to minister to it? Or just give your own remedy. If the holy, if the Ruach HaKodesh, if the Ruach HaKodesh is a threat to our success, then we're already failures. Don't even think that you're not a man pleaser. Don't even think that you don't fear man. You're already in the fear of man. You're already pleasing man if you're afraid of the Ruach HaKodesh to come and speak. Listen, when Yeshua raised his voice and cried out to come and partake and allow the living water to flow through your spirit, through your innermost being, Revelation 22 verse 1 says that that river flows from the throne. That means when you're drinking from the river of living water, that river of life that's coming from the throne, you are drinking from the very seat of heaven's authority. And what comes out of you will come forth with authority and it will come forth with power. But if you don't pray, if you don't fast, then you won't see any of it. God will be gracious with you, but you won't have unction behind you. You won't have conviction when you preach. There was a man in George C. Whitfield's days, he was an atheist, and he used to go listen to him preach. And and people would say to him, why do you come to listen to him preach? You're an atheist, you don't even believe. He said, I don't come because because I believe, I come because he believes. That's real preaching right there. Huh? Unfortunately, a lot of believers today are conformed more to the image of a jellyfish than the Jewish Messiah because they're spineless, but they got a lot of tentacles to attack each other and to sting each other with. Huh? I believe the most neglected, rejected person on this planet is the Ruach HaKodesh, and we grieve him daily, myself included. This is why religious leaders couldn't handle anything Yeshua did. They had great doctrine, but they limited God by their understanding. His understanding is unsearchable. And in these last days, we have to get our message right. It has to be the full counsel of God. I know my 45 minutes are up, but I'm going to take five more minutes if that's okay. I'm going to wrap it up real quick. We have to get our message right. Why is that? Well, because the law has a curse for everyone under it. The gospel has a curse for those who adulterate it. And this is a warning for trying to just add a definition upon new definition upon the best Torah. This is a warning. Don't adulterate it. Don't mix it with your own understanding. Don't mix it a lot with some of the scholarly stuff that might come out. You've already got people saying AI should rewrite the Bible. People got mad at me in New York because of how I preached. And I said, you know, the, 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 the one group that is most culpable for censoring the Word of God is the church itself. The body of believers. 
well, don't talk about this, don't talk about this. It's because we haven't talked about it that it's now in our face. Okay? Isaiah 6, the seraphim cried out to one another, holy, holy, holy. They're saying the same thing. They're declaring the same thing. The message we've received is relational. And listen, revival, yeah, miracles, signs, and wonders. But when you read the book of Acts in between the lines, revival is effective first in the area of relationships. Don't think that God's going to use you supernaturally and that you'll be able to hold on to your bitterness and your offenses because that's the first thing he's going to deal with. He's going to say, okay, you know what? You want to move in this? Go and make amends with your brother. Who heard recently about Torben Sondergaard, the pastor who is in prison in the United States? Okay, one person over there, a couple of people. Okay, one of the things that he said was, he said, God humbled me in prison because all of the ministries that I used to criticize and all the men of God that I used to critique and I used to criticize, they're the only ones who spoke up on my behalf. You would think that your theological priorities are God's theological priorities. But not so. Oh no. Some people, they think, oh, it's his privilege to have me serve him. No, it was his pain to endure our pride. When we go to Revelation chapter 1, the first instance of Yeshua's voice being uh, described, it's like the sound of a loud trumpet. It's going to be a lot louder than mine, that's for sure. But I'm made in my Father's image. So, When we look at the last reference to his voice, it says, I heard a loud voice from the throne. What is, what is, what, what's happening in between? All throughout Revelation, you could go throughout it, and you could look up all the, the phrases. 7, verse 2, I saw another angel ascending from the rising of the sun, having the seal of the living God. He cried out with a loud voice. When the Lamb broke the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven. The only time there's silence. Listen, heaven's going to be a loud place. There's another loud place to go to. You don't want to go there. It's called hell. And I've heard the torments of the damned from hell. It's otherworldly. They're otherworldly. There's a pain that, that is experienced like nothing that could be experienced on earth. We go to Revelation 22. Verse 17. The last voice in Revelation is the spirit, the bride, and there's one other person. It's you. The spirit, the ruach, and the bride say come. And let the one who hears say come. And let the one who is thirsty come. And let the one who wishes freely to take of the water of life. You look at verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Yes, I am coming quickly. Amen. Come, Adon, Yeshua. Listen, the more you believe it, the more you proclaim it. The more urgent it is in your spirit. And there is such urgency that is needed. Because when the living water comes forth, it comes forth with power and authority. There's cheap preaching and there's cheap preaching. You know what the difference is? Cheap preaching will leave you hustled. Cheap preaching will leave you robbed. 
And a lot of preachers in today's day and age have thought it would be a great idea to censor the word of God, to stop saying hell, to stop saying things blatantly as they are said in scripture. And to make walking with Yeshua like it's always easy. When Yeshua told his disciples, there's a demand to it. There's a demand to it. And today maybe Ruach HaKodesh has quickened something in your heart. Maybe he has done something in you to provoke a conviction. I admonish you, I exhort you. Don't sit in pride. Maybe the Ruach HaKodesh is moving upon you like the way this young man, and you just have to get on your knees, or maybe you have to get on your face, or maybe you just have to make some kind of, 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 of a, a, a gesture of commitment. Maybe you're not used to it. Maybe that's the thing. Maybe God is piercing your heart to say, you know what, I didn't say if you pray and if you fast, but when you pray and when you fast. And it's time to pick up the sword of the Spirit, and it's time to start applying it with fervent prayer, with fervent intercession, with fervent worship. Ruach HaKodesh, I thank you for what you're doing this morning. You are the great and living God. You are the most high God. Elohei Israel Adonai Tzevaot. Ahalel Adonai. Barchiv Nafshiet Adonai. Oh, my soul's going to praise you, Lord. I'm going to bless you while I live. I'm going to praise you. Lord, you didn't call us to a dead walk with you. You called us to a living walk with you. Where living water comes out of us to satiate and to quench the thirst of the thirsty soul. Lord, bring us into the unity of faith where we major in the majors and minor in the minors. Maybe we have soft voices. Maybe we have loud voices. Maybe we're a little more apprehensive. But you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. Lord, ignite this body. Ignite it further so that it can be a lampstand here in this community to the Jewish people, to the nations. You are welcome here, Ruach HaKodesh. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, God, is what my heart longs for. To be overcome by your presence, Lord, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. Come flood this place and fill the atmosphere. Your glory, 
God is what my heart longs for, to be overcome in your presence, Lord. Let us be more aware of your presence in our lives. Let us be more aware of your presence in our commitment to you. And as we are more aware of your presence in our lives, you prepare us for the days ahead. You prepare our hearts with compassion. You prepare our hearts with truth. You prepare us through our trials and through our tears to wash your feet with every blow that we may receive in this world. Let it release, let it release Yeshua. Amen. God bless you.